on the road again just can't wait to get on the road again the life i love is making music with my friends Hello and welcome to this episode of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast. And as you guessed it, we are still in the beautiful home office of Chateau Relaxo. And yes, we are continuing our series of stories from home because there's still nobody out there really traveling. Tonight, we're taking a little bit of a literary turn with fact is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening. Hello. If you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. And tonight we're focusing on fact is stranger than fiction. And honestly, it's almost like the last 12 months were written by Stephen King and possibly directed by Quentin Tarantino. Just a few of the highlights. Australia basically burst into flames. At the same time, Indonesia was flooding. Kobe, no one saw that coming. A volcano erupted in the Philippines, which is some truly Quentin Tarantino B-grade movie type stuff. We can't forget the murder hornets that kind of came and went. And oh yeah, the COVID. And to top it off, I didn't even touch anything political that's happened in the last 12 months. I mean, it has truly been crazy. And we have kind of eased up with the crazy travel news. But have no fear because we are going to venture into the fact is stranger than fiction. Kind of like Ripley's Believe It or Not. If you're too young to remember Ripley's, Ripley's Believe It or Not was an American franchise founded by Robert Ripley, which dealt or deals in bizarre events and items so strange and unusual that readers might question the claims. It was originally a newspaper panel or column. Uh, The Believe It or Not feature proved popular and was later adopted into a wide variety of formats, including radio, TV, comic books, a chain of museums. We actually have one here in O-Town, as well as a book series. So thank you, Wikipedia, because I certainly didn't write all that verbiage. So when you think about Ripley's Believe It or Not, think about things like two-headed cows. Uh, My favorite is the toad vomit lozenges, which uh, get, get a load of this, which involves suspending a dead toad not a live toad, but a dead toad by its hind legs inside a chimney. And apparently that is the the trigger for toads to throw up. So you collect its vomit, mixing it with some sort of a powder, and it helps to stave off the plague. Please don't try it at home, and I wonder if it would have helped to stave off the COVID. Our first fact is stranger than fiction story comes to us. Flying Turtle smashes through Georgia driver's windshield. LaTanya Lark and Kevin Grant were riding northbound on Harry S. Truman Parkway near Montgomery Cross, basically outside of Savannah, when Lark noticed something coming right at them. I thought it was a brick, and I told my brother, my God, there's a brick. Uh, Lark, who was driving, says she had started to slow down her vehicle before Grant, her brother, had time to process what was actually happening from the passenger seat. They both heard what they described as a loud boom, and Grant was covered in shattered glass. A turtle burst through the windshield of the passenger side right before Grant's eyes. The turtle got sighted, but of course he didn't have insurance and he couldn't get a lawyer, so I wound up paying a deductible and everything else, Lark said. 
Her windshield has since been repaired, reflecting back on what happened. The siblings say it shows that the unexpected can happen without a moment's notice. Uh, Reading a little bit more into the article, apparently the poor turtle lost a leg at the scene and later succumbed to its injuries. And when I first read this, all I could think to myself was, this is some real Mario Kart turtle tossing craziness out there. More than likely, uh, a car in front of Lark's probably clipped the turtle and uh, launched it into the air where it promptly, of course, found the one windshield on the road as opposed to hitting anything else. And Lark actually said it best with the whole uh, that the unexpected can happen without a moment's notice. Yes, unexpected means pretty much no notice. But the lesson here, kiddos, is to keep your eyes on the road and look straight ahead when driving and not at your phone. Newborns in India were named COVID and Corona. Preeti Verma gave birth to a boy, COVID, and a girl, Corona. I probably would have switched the names personally, but decided to name the twins after the virus because they wanted to spread happiness, not fear. The proud Papa Vinjay Vima told TMZ, you knew it was about to happen, right? We've all heard of odd baby names in the past. Tesla, Fanta, I wonder if the kid's middle name was Orange, Maybelline, and of course, Espen, E-S-P-N. We took quite a bit of time naming our children, especially with the last name of Frick. Uh, we went as far as to consider what their name would be shortened to when it came to a nickname. Uh, for a short time, one of the names we considered for my son would have produced the initials WWF. So as you could well imagine, we passed on this. I have a very, very simple system when it comes to naming children. Decide on what your little darling's name is going to be. Get in the car, head over to Cracker Barrel, Stucky's Flying J. Go inside and head over to the souvenir section. Find the display of keychains and coffee cups. See if you can find the name you picked on a keychain or a coffee cup. If you can't, then it might be a good idea to reconsider what your naming is. However, COVID and Corona, you can always go with the Corona beer opener or koozie. And I think COVID is going to be around for quite a while. One of my favorite sites out there, Boing Boing, gave us distillery accidentally sold gin bottles filled with hand sanitizer. Like many booze makers, Apollo Bay Distillery in Victoria, Australia, pivoted their production from alcoholic beverages to hand sanitizers when COVID-19 hit. Unfortunately, nine bottles of their SS Casino Gin were sold. They contained hand sanitizer as opposed to the alcoholic drink. The company announced a recall. So far, six of the nine bottles have been returned. According to the company's notice, consumption of the product may have side effects, including nausea, headaches, dizziness, bloating, vomiting, thirst, and diarrhea. Well, you knew it was bound to happen round two. Uh, Not sure what Apollo's distribution numbers actually look like, but nine bottles is probably nine bottles too many especially in Australia, where they take their booze and drinking very serious. Uh, Who wants to spin the unlucky gin wheel of misfortune? Not me. I've never tasted Apollo gin. I've had some bad gin in my life, and hand sanitizer just might be a step up from that. And, of course, to finish it off, one of the side effects of consuming hand sanitizer is thirst, which kind of got you into the whole predicament of drinking hand sanitizer in the first place. This is kind of a neat story. Someone found the $1 million treasure chest in the Rocky Mountains. 
and I actually remember this, a decade ago, a Santa Fe author and antique dealer, Forrest Fern, hit a treasure chest containing $1 million in gold, diamonds, rubies, emeralds, somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. A poem in his memoir titled The Thrill of the Chase contained clues to the treasure's location, and he hoped that hiding it would uh, inspire families to enjoy nature and the adventure. Well, now Finn reports that somebody from back east has found the treasure but does not want to be named. It's a wonderful tale except for the deaths, lawsuits, and arrests. An estimated 350,000 people have hunted for Finn's treasure. Some quit their jobs to do so. It has had some deadly consequences. At least five people have died while searching for the chest. Like I said, I remember it when this came out. I completely forgot about it. But what a great family vacation worthy of a National Lampoon movie, but probably starring a much younger Chevy Chase, probably a kinder Chevy Chase as well. Very reminiscent of the Mad, 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 Mad World, which is about a madcap pursuit of about $350,000 in stolen cash by a diverse and colorful group of strangers. Here's my take on why this was discovered after all these years. And it came to me on yesterday's visit to Lowe's. As I was standing in line waiting to check out, I looked down at the floor and every six feet there was a blue X. And how do pirates know where to dig for the treasure? Remember, X marks the spot. All of you sheltered in place, non-willing COVID participants, I am guess spent a bunch of time watching the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise and uh, did a little common sense. And I bet you there was a big giant X in the Rocky Mountains indicating where you should dig. Check this one out. Oblivious man walks out of a 75-day silent retreat and tweets, did I miss anything? In mid-March, 33-year-old Daniel Thornson checked himself into a silent Buddhist meditation retreat in a remote part of Vermont on May 23rd. Two and a half months later, he left the retreat and then tweeted, did I miss anything? <laughs> After leaving the retreat, he had stopped by a market, and that's when he realized that things were really amiss. I would turn a corner in the grocery store and somebody would be there and they would be like, whoa, recoil back. At first I was like, whoa, did I do something? This is one of those stories that you just have to kind of let sit there and linger. And I'm sure there are other similar stories out there. People emerging or coming out of a coma, wondering why there's no family members in the room. Probably some astronauts have come back from the International Space Station saying, hey, what's up? But think back to March 20th when Kenny Rogers passed away and every single meme out there said, Kenny Rogers dipping out in the middle of an apocalypse is the most knowing when to fold them thing ever. Well, move over, Kenny. If you had stayed alive for another 90 days, you would have had a bunch more stories and probably enough to fill at least one more album. Back to Daniel. Daniel, after a 75-day silent Buddhist meditation retreat and you immediately decided to hit up Twitter, I think you might have missed the whole point. Just saying. This one's near and dear to my heart, WSB-TV out of Atlanta. The Varsity discontinues popular meal item on the menu for the last 92 years. A longtime staple on the menu of the Varsity is no longer there for fans to drink. For the first time in 92 years, the quintessential Atlanta restaurant says it will not carry its PC or plain chocolate milk anymore. The Varsity explained that its partners, Mayfield Dairies, will no longer be able to package the product due to supply chain issues. They said it had nothing related to do with the, the COVID-19 pandemic. The restaurant reopened in April, but says it's been unable to stock the item. We wish we could have given you all the chance to enjoy it one last time. The Varsity posted on their Facebook post. 
yes, this is a fact is stranger than fiction. I have been going to the varsity since the 70s. My father attended Georgia Tech across the interstate, so his visits stretch way back into the 50s. The varsity actually made it into my Off the Eaton Path Georgia episode. Kind of summarize it like this. What do you have? You're here at the second your feet hit the 1950s terrazzo floor. The varsity is an Atlanta landmark. My father attended Georgia Tech and ate more than his share of their offerings. The food is as straightforward as it gets. Hot dogs, hamburgers, and fries. The varsity has their own lingo to accompany the food. A PC, which is now discontinued, is plain chocolate milk, always served with ice. If you order a hot dog plain, it will be a hot dog with chili and mustard. When my dad turned 70, I went by and got 70 cups, 70 server hats, 70 napkins, all for his birthday celebration. Yes, the varsity means that much to our family. If you find yourself in downtown Atlanta and want some legit diner driving and dive type food, hit up the varsity, but have your order in your mind and your money in the hand because the varsity doesn't play. This one came to us via a TED talk. What are the phantom traffic jams and how does technology help to get rid of them? Stop and go waves of dense freeway traffic can flow backwards for miles. There's a four minute video that accompanies this. I'll save you the time of of watching it. Not sure if this is truly fact or fiction, but uh, I'll give you the cliff note. And it's cliff note. There's not plural notes. There's one cliff note. Here's how phantom traffic jams happen. When the first driver hits their brakes, each subsequent driver behind them hits their brakes a little bit harder, creating the traffic jam. I shared this with you for all you looky-loos out there that wonder, why there's no huge accident once the traffic begins to clear. The other point of the article or the video is that self-driving cars will help reduce that. And I would agree they're a heck of a lot smarter than we are. Our final fact is stranger than fiction story comes from the shanghaiist.com website. Woman makes 3 million yans, Y-U-A-N, wands, by taking out insurance on flights she thought would be delayed. A woman has been arrested by police in Beijing for getting rich off the tendency in China for flights to take off late. The 45-year-old woman surnamed Li, L-I, Li, Li, booked hundreds of flights from 2015 to 2019. She had no intention of actually taking these trips. Instead, her only goal was to purchase the flight delay insurance to turn the flight into a money-making opportunity. Before buying the insurance on flights, Lee would analyze local weather conditions and online reviews to judge which flights would make be the most likely to be delayed or canceled. In this way, she booked over 900 flights in five years using her name as well as the names of her friends and family members and making a whopping 3 million yans, which equates to about $423,000 in the process. You know, and there are websites that post on time arrivals and departures for certain flights. I remember once hearing, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. While no one can accuse Lee of not trying, actually going to the, the, the depths and lengths of analyzing local weather reports. Talk about rolling the dice. I've watched TV and my local weatherman is predicting no rain in sight while it's pouring on my car that just got washed. I find it intriguing when people figure out a way to make the system work to their advantage. Sometimes it's ethical, sometimes it's not. 
And it reminds me of a uh, story from work instead of a story from home. This is a story from work. And this goes back probably 15 years or so when 3D printers were first hitting the market. MIT had built their first one. And they were trying to figure out how do you charge for the substrate? How do you charge to make something? With copiers and printers, it's pretty easy. You're putting ink on a piece of paper. But they needed to figure out how to charge or how to come up with a price schedule for using the substrate. So they contacted a big giant engineering college in the South. They sent them a machine, a 3D printer, and apparently a whole bunch of the substrate, which is nothing more, looks like stuff that goes into your uh, weed eater, uh, plastic substrate, and asked them to do some research and figure out, you know, how do you charge? What does it cost to, to make trinkets or whatever you're 3D printing? Well, after a few months or so, the college calls back up to MIT and goes, hey, we need more substrate. We're out. We can't finish our testing. MIT's like, what are you talking about? We sent you enough to take you through several years of testing. And so they decided to, to get on a plane and head down. And then they walked into, I think it was the procurement office, whoever it was at, at uh, the college, to really get to the bottom of it. It says, you know, like I said, we sent you enough of this stuff to get you through years of testing to come up with a, with a pretty good price schedule. <laughs> and so the procurement officer turned around in his chairs and opened the window blinds of his office and across the common area were the student dorms. And in the window of almost every one of these dorms was a little plastic 3D printed statue of the school's mascot. And so those are the kind of people you want working for you. You give them one task and they'll probably get that task done, but they're smart enough to figure out a side hustle. These students had their own side hustle, circumventing the NCAA, the college board, everybody churning out their own little 3D printed mascots for the school. I appreciate everyone listening. You can certainly leave me a voicemail on Anchor. Hit me up with an email at travelfrick at gmail.com. You can visit me at Instagram at swfrick. And of course, the book of face under back again and gone. I keep hoping to say travel safe, but until that time, we're just going to say stay safe and thanks for listening. Hey, wait a second. Don't go. Make sure you check out all the blogs over at hypeamerica.com. From food to travel to just general life humor, we cover all the topics. Thanks again.